Today on the show, I'm going to talk about acceptance, and we're going to look at this in a deeper, more profound way to show you the relationship between acceptance and many of the habit patterns in your life. And on this theme, I'm going to share a story. Uh, well, in retrospect, it's funny, but at the time it wasn't uh, about bed bugs and my experience with them, which was very strange. And, and then at the end of the episode, I'll give you a meditation for acceptance to help bring acceptance and gratitude into your life. Please continue to support this podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes and also sharing it with your friends. If you know someone that you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. Help me spread the word. You can also support the podcast with a donation. I rely on the generosity of you, the listeners, to help support me and this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. I have almost 70 episodes now for you to go back and listen to. And all I ask is that you make a contribution. Give what you feel that you've received from this podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class. It could be more. Whatever you feel that you've gotten from it. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can donate in any currency, even Bitcoin. Help keep me out of the system. <laughs> uh, and there's also a link in the episode description. But please help support this program with a donation. I rely on your generosity. You can now find me on Substack. I am moving off of social media. And posting my writing on Substack, you go to substack.amarjitsingh.com. There's a link in the episode description. And sign up for my newsletter. Okay, let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Why? Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. Before I get into today's topic, I would like to invite you as a guest on my podcast. Yes, you, one of the listeners. What we will do is it will be like a therapy session where you will talk about some issue that you're dealing with, whether it's in relationships or life change or some challenge that you're experiencing. And we'll go through it trying to help you understand it and look at it in a better way. All you need to do is send me a message uh, through the website. Go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page and drop me a line giving me just a little overview of what you're experiencing. Then I will connect with you and and I'll look at your hands to use some of the information found in the hands and the fingerprints to help solve the issues that you're dealing with. And we'll do this on an episode so people can experience this and maybe learn something about themselves because many people go through the same type of problems. And so maybe someone has that issue that you have and this is a way for them to understand it better is through you. So I invite you to be a guest on my podcast. Again, go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a, a place for you to send me a message and just give me a brief overview of what you're experiencing and, and then we'll then I'll get in contact with you and we'll work out the details. I think this should be a very interesting uh, experience. And you can also find a link on the episode description to the contact page. So today on the program, I want to talk about acceptance. And this is something that we typically think about in a very superficial way. We don't really understand the depth of what this does to us and how this prevents us from really understanding the habit patterns and not just understanding them, but getting through them and letting go of these deep ingrained samskaras. 
And I will also provide a meditation for you at the end of this episode for acceptance and gratitude. Acceptance plays an integral part of your life, whether you recognize this or not. And typically we think about it in a very superficial way, but it is vital to growth, opportunity, understanding, love, and peace. I remember in India being at the Beatles ashram. I don't know if anyone has been to to Rishikesh in India, but they have this old dilapidated ashram that's uh, being consumed by nature. It's been abandoned for quite some time now, but it's where the Beatles used to go and and stay and meditate. And it's a really cool place to visit. You can see many pictures of it online. But as you're walking through, there's something that I found really fascinating is there's this brick wall that's maybe up to, I don't know, your knees, maybe a little above the knees. And there's a tree that's right against this brick wall. And you can see the roots of this tree have wrapped around this brick wall and they're starting to consume it. And when I saw this, it it was very interesting because it just shows you how you need to embrace your environment to grow. And so I took a picture of this. And I'll put this photo up on, on the website. You can go to the show notes to look at this. But it's interesting because it symbolizes how you have to embrace your environment to grow. And what do we mean by embrace is you need to accept. You need to accept that this is the way it is. Because often we spend a lot of time condemning the environment. Oh, I wish this situation was like this. I wish these people were like this. I wish this opportunity was like this. And we start to project our demands, our our wishes, our desires onto these situations in life. And when you do this, what you're doing is you're creating a lot of judgment. You're judging the way things are. And I've talked about this on other episodes. When you judge anything, what you're doing is you're creating distance. Judgment creates distance, and acceptance creates closeness. The first step in understanding is to accept. Whenever you have judgment towards something, you'll never truly understand it. And you can watch uh, the news or watch, uh, read anything on, on the internet, and you see when people have a lot of judgment that they don't truly understand the issues or they don't understand what they're talking about because there's a separation, there's a distance. And that judgment also clouds your perception, it clouds your understanding, and it creates this distance. And this is the really important aspect of self-awareness, right? What is the first step in self-awareness is acceptance. If you're judging these things about yourself, which we all do in different ways, right? We have this false idea of who we think we are and we judge it. Say, I don't like this about myself. I wish I was this way, or I wish this was not this way. I wish I had this attribute that I saw on my friend or on this famous person or whatever it may be. And these desires, these judgments create this distance. In fact, where does self-awareness happen? It doesn't happen in the mind. It happens in the heart because it's your capacity to accept which allows you to understand. You know, we often think, including uh, the way I used to think, is that it's all through the mind. We need to understand through the mind, and we need to use this instrument to help us understand. But what it really is, it is the capacity to accept, which brings this closer to you, that allows you to really dissect and go into the depths of something. Because without this, there's distance. And this is why we have all this div- division in our society is because we're judging. 
saying this is a bad person, this is a bad ideology they have, and we don't understand, well, why do they have this ideology? Why do they think this way? And we see this a lot going on in, in today's society is this really judgment of the other. These people are bad. These people are good. I, anything this group says, this political party says, I accept. And anything they, uh, the other group says, I don't accept. And, and this is what is going on in our society is, is all this division. And it is done intentionally. The, the media, the politicians, it's all done intentionally to help divide you so that it creates distance. And you even see this in, in the arguments for things. And this is one of the things that I started to really not enjoy being on social media for anymore is when people would comment on something that I wrote or, or that I saw someone else write that they didn't agree with. Instead of giving arguments and providing uh, understanding of the issue and, and trying to help maybe enlighten me better, they would just attack me. And I see this all over, uh, not just me, but everyone on social media see this a lot, is instead of talking about the issue that they don't agree with or the person they don't agree with, they just start attacking them. And uh, there was even this documentary, I watched this documentary, which was quite interesting, uh, about the last uh, political election uh, in in the U.S. I think the documentary is called 2,000 Mules. And I, I was interested to watch this and then also to hear people's opinions of what they thought, you know, because I'm no expert on, on the election and no expert on this. But when I looked at the reviews, anyone who was against this documentary they didn't provide any reasons they were against it. They criticized the the person who made the documentary. They criticized the people who agree with it, but they never provided any arguments against the findings of the documentary. And I'm not saying all the findings are correct and they couldn't do this, but they just chose not to because this is what we've learned how to do. This is what we've been inspired to do. We see this all over. I mean, look at what's going on in society is instead of accepting to try to understand that this person or this group may have a different belief than you or a different understanding of something, we condemn the other. And we do this within ourselves as well. We look at ourselves and we don't like certain things about ourselves and we do the same thing. Because the way you're speaking externally and interacting externally with people is the way you're communicating with yourself. And so when I see all this division and this judgment externally, I know that it's happening internally with these people. This is going to prevent you from really understanding because self-awareness happens in the heart and not the mind. And this understanding of the other happens in the heart as well, not the mind. If you want to truly understand who you are, you need to begin with acceptance. Accept everything about yourself, not just the things you like and not saying, oh, after I get this education or after I lose this weight or after I do this, I will love myself. This is conditional. And you need to learn to love yourself without condition. Understanding that these things that are changing, the thoughts, the weight, the eyes, the hair, the face, the body, they're all temporary things. They are not who you are. And you may understand this intellectually, but are you living this way? And this is one thing that I really appreciate about the Sikh uh, religion is this idea of not cutting any of your hair. And I, I've shared this on other episodes, but it's really something that helps you overcome the ego because this ego is the protection that you create to guard yourself from the things that you don't like about yourself, the things that you're having difficulty accepting. 
And so when I started out growing my beard, I would let it get to a certain length and I would trim it. And I would I would say, oh, I have to make it shorter because maybe I'll get more dates. The girls will like me more. And so I would trim it. Then I'd say, okay, I'll let it grow. I let it grow. I let it grow. And I would then again say, no, no, I need to to be attractive to the females. I need to get more more attention. And so I'd trim it again. And I just did this for years, doing this back and forth until finally I just let the ego go and said, it's okay. This is the way I'm created. If someone likes me, it's because who I am. I need to appreciate myself. And this is something that was very important and very uh, interesting for me to experience. Not saying that the ego can't get attached to having the beard as well, but it was a battle of this ego, of letting go of my ego to allow me to accept how I am, who I am. And I always say this, and, and women tend to, <laughs> some, and some females tend to, to react to this when I say, why are you wearing makeup? You know, for me, I, I don't understand why the females and, and maybe even men are starting to do this to paint your face. You know, I spend lots of time in, in monasteries and yoga centers and ashrams, so I don't see a lot of females wearing makeup so much because they don't do this coming to a yoga workshop or in the monastery. You don't see this. So when I go to the West and travel around and see the lips painted and the black around the eyes and what is it, the, the concealer, they're covering up blemishes on their skin— to me, it's very strange. Uh, in fact, I, I think I've never seen a girl who's more beautiful with makeup than without. I, I think people are more beautiful when they are just themselves. I, and you need to look, at, if this is you, you need to look at your attachment to this activity. The next time you start to put this makeup on, Think about what it would be like to go outside that day to work or wherever it is without any makeup. And if you can't imagine this or if it's difficult, well, this is an attachment. You know, often they say, oh, I'm doing this to, for myself. And, and I, I don't fully uh, agree with that. And even if you are doing it for yourself, what does that mean? It means that you want to cover up certain things that you don't like the color of your lips or you need to put black around your eyes to make them appear bigger or smaller or whatever it is that you do. I, I don't really understand this. It, to me, it looks very bizarre. And I think women look much more beautiful without makeup. And But really what it is, is it's this self-acceptance. It's acceptance. It's accepting who you are unconditionally that you are enough. There is nothing that needs to be added. So the next time you go out and you're about to put your makeup on, think about trying not to do it and how you would feel. And if you would feel any differently, well, this is an attachment. Maybe you can learn to break this attachment. Not that it was easy. I told you for me, just growing my beard without trimming it was was a challenging thing. It took me a, a couple of years to finally let it go and say, okay, I'm just going to accept that if I don't do anything, this is how I look. This is how God made me. This is my natural uh, disposition or my natural appearance. I think this is really a nice way to connect to your authentic nature. The more authentic you can be, the more authentic your communication is and your expression. And this acceptance creates the environment for healing. Because when you accept something, then you're creating the space to heal from it. Whether it's accepting something you don't like about yourself or that you have a lot of judgment towards whether it's judgment towards you or judgment towards the other people or towards a, a group of people, once you accept it, have this acceptance, it creates this space, 
this environment where you're able to heal and to let go of, of these false identifications of who you think you are to get closer in alignment with who you really are. Because when we don't accept these things, we get defensive and we close down. We create this these borders and we isolate ourselves. Right? If you're not happy with the way you look in some way and someone makes some comment that maybe it's it's not even about what you think it is, but because you're so defensive about something that you hear it a different way and you react to it. And when we get this defensiveness, we close down. We don't really expand our awareness or expand our touch into our environment. And this is is really an isolating experience because how much intimacy do you have in your relationships if you're defensive and closed down about certain aspects of yourself? And I find this in my counseling as one of the primary challenges of people is in relationships, they don't communicate certain aspects of what they're experiencing because they don't want people to know. And if you don't want someone else to know, that's a indication that there is a lot of self-judgment about this. And there's a few things that happen. One is, remember I said, acceptance is the precursor to self-awareness and to healing. And also intimacy. If you're not sharing what's really happening with you, your experience, your deep experience, How deep are your relationships, whether it's a partner or a friend or a family member? The depth of your connection comes from the depth of your honesty. The depth of your acceptance of yourself allows you to accept and understand and share with others around you. And this is the biggest obstacle people face in relationships. Nine times out of ten when I counsel people, there's a an aspect of this. Some people, it's a huge aspect. Other people, it's not. It's very important to look at what it is that you're afraid to share with people about you. And this goes with everything. You know what I said about putting the makeup on and, and trying to manipulate the way you're perceived says a lot about how you feel about yourself. And you have to have this theme going on in the in the mind of I am enough. I am sufficient. Because it's true, everything that you seek is within you. There's nothing external that you need to search for. And if you're searching for things externally, it's because you don't connect to them internally. You don't understand the internal vibration that is happening. You're not connected to it. And this is how mantras and yoga work. Is that, you know, you chant a mantra that has a particular theme to it, a particular vibration to it, to help connect you to the vibration within. And so that you recognize, oh, this is what this vibration feels like. And if you chant this mantra over and over for days and days and days, weeks and months, you start to get tuned into this vibration and you're able to tune into this vibration. And we do this unconsciously and consciously when we talk about the people we connect with. We connect with people who are vibrating in relationship to how we're vibrating. If you have certain habit patterns, you are going to be drawn to certain experiences. And you may say, oh, it's a coincidence that I met this person and they happen to have this attribute, but it's not. In fact, we can look at this scientifically and and then understand that it is not a coincidence. Now, there's a, a type of bean plant that gets attacked by these tight, tiny little mites. And when this happens, the bean plant sends out a signal. And the signal attracts a different type of mite. And this new type of mite comes to the bean plant and attacks the first type of mite. Now, if you were to speak to that second mite that came to the plant and ask them, 
why did you come to the plant that day? They would probably say, oh, I just felt like it and I thought it was a good idea, not knowing that it was called through this chemical signal that the plant puts out. And if this happens one time in nature, what makes you think this doesn't happen throughout all of nature? And it does. And this is why changing your understanding changes your vibration and connects you to different experiences. And think about how many different types of people there are in this world and how many different experiences are possible in this world, but you are constantly connected to the same types of people, the same types of experiences until you learn to open yourself up. And so this acceptance of who you are helps create the space for healing, helps create the space for understanding the truth. Because like I said, otherwise you're getting defensive and you're closing down. And this resistance is what also keeps you tied to your habit patterns, which is kind of interesting if we look at an example, how your resistance is what keeps you tied to your habit patterns. And there's a a typical habit pattern I've seen and even experienced myself is when you're in a group of people and you're trying to connect to this group of people, often we feel maybe that, oh, I'm not getting the satisfaction that I wanted being in this group. And most of this, or almost pretty much all of it, is because of you, not the group. But it's because of how you're relating to this group, how you're interacting with this group. But anyway, so what happens is that people say, oh, I'm not getting this connection. I'm not getting this closeness. Not understanding that the reason they're not getting it is because they're not providing it. They're not sharing them themselves in an authentic way. They're not connecting to their uh, true self. And there's there's a lot of discrepancy. There's a lot of friction in the relationships or in the communication. And so what happens is then this person gets frustrated and says, okay, I'm just going to go by myself. I'll go sit in the corner. I'll go home. And so this is the reaction to this habit pattern. And what does this reaction do? But it perpetuates this habit pattern because now what kind of closeness are you getting in these relationships if you withdraw from the environment? You're closing down, you're you're perpetuating what you don't want to happen to happen. And this is what your resistance does and how your resistance continues your habit patterns. It perpetuates all these habit patterns. It perpetuates the behavior that keeps you tied to your karma. So if you look at the reaction you have to the difficulties in your life, this is what's keeping you tied to these challenges. It's this reaction. And this is why when I talk about these emotions or these feelings, right? I talked about everything is a vibration and every every vibration is the result of some reaction you have towards something. And then when we feel this vibration, what happens is we react to the vibration and we create a behavior. The same way that when people get very emotional, they tend to overeat. Not all people, but many people. To feed, to manage the vibration, to manage the feelings. And that management of these feelings is the behavior that keeps you tied to the karma that is causing them. And so this is why when you experience some feelings is not to react, but just to observe and then to understand what are these feelings trying to get me to do or not do? And then with the mind, what is the right thing to do? And this is how you let go of the reaction, let go of the karma. You can let go of all your karma within a second if you learn not to react and to understand what is happening. And this is what we call self-awareness. And this acceptance comes through the heart. Because what happens is we experience something and our ego says, fight back. Our ego says, react. Our ego says, try something, do something. 
because the ego is just trying to protect you. But if you don't react, you allow yourself to be open and vulnerable. Then you accept. And this vulnerability is difficult. This acceptance is difficult. But your reactions are telling you that you're not accepting it. Because many times we think, oh, we accept everything. We accept uh, unconditionally. And even yogis say this. I see them say this, but then I see the reactions. And these reactions are the resistance. And if you have this resistance, this reaction, you're not accepting. And you're perpetuating this behavior and you're continued to be tied to this karma. A good exercise I'd like to do to learn to be open and to accept, to be vulnerable, these ideas, all these things are related, is to, when I find it difficult, when I'm going through difficult times or or going through something that is causing me to close down or causing me to hide or causing me to judge, is to lay down on the ground or on my bed, whatever, on my back. Legs straight and the arms out to the sides, right? Like you're Jesus on the cross, like this. Palms facing up. And this is the most open position for the heart. The heart is very open at this point. And to be in this position without moving, not even a a millimeter. Try to be as still as possible. Even when the urge comes to move, do not move, resist it. Until you can relax and be in this open position without moving, without even just adjusting your neck, without adjusting, without anything. Because all this movement, all unnecessary movement, is a resistance to the unconscious becoming conscious. And then as you're doing this, just project from the heart. Project from the heart. Don't move the fingers. Don't move the the thumb. Don't move anything. The hands. Don't move the feet. Nothing. Be as still as possible this way. And accept yourself. You don't have to think anything. You you just have to be. Put some nice music on whatever it is, a mantra, and try to see how long you can go without any movement. And it gets challenging. And we say, oh, it's because my arm was sore or my knee was sore, but it's not. And make sure that the the head is flat, no pillow under the head. Everything is flat, right, to keep the spine straight. But we make excuses. We say, oh, it's because of this pain and that pain. But those pains are just representations of some unconscious judgments. And the way to accept them is to find the neutral space. We talked about this on the episode of the mind, right? The positive mind, the negative mind, and the neutral mind. And the neutral mind is when we accept and we don't react in a positive or or negative way. We learn to just be still. And this is where self-awareness happens. This is where peace happens. And the... Things that cause physical pain dissipate. And I've talked about this on on the episode about how to experience yourself beyond the the mind. Because I've talked about this on, on many of the episodes. What happens is we experience something from one of the senses, whether we feel something or see something or think something or taste something, and we react to it. And that reaction is a judgment, right? It's a, a desire or an aversion to it. And depending on what aspect of the psychology it is, it resides in a particular part of the framework of the body. And this is why in certain areas of the body we may be stiff or experience pains. And it's because this is a habitual reaction that we have. And I talked about this in the episode I I highly recommend is How to Heal Yourself. I forget the number of that episode, but I'll put a link to it in the episode description. And it talks about how these vibrations, these sensations create 
the pains and discomforts and also the distortion in the physiology of the body. And when we react to them, we actually perpetuate the pain, perpetuate the habit patterns that continue these uh, challenges in our life, this karma. And so when you're laying there and you're starting to say, oh, I'm experiencing pain, I need to move, this is when you need to try to develop, to cultivate the neutral mind. And the same thing when you're sitting for meditation and you feel the knees are starting to hurt or the hips and you need to adjust, try not to adjust. Try to not react to the sensations because eventually they will go away. It's your reaction to them psychologically, which is continuing them. And then when you physically move, you're perpetuating this. And it's just this resistance to whatever they represent in the framework of the body. But this is really learning to accept. When you're meditating, is not to say, I hope this pain in my back or my knee goes away, but to accept it. It's there. I accept it. I'm not trying to resist it. And this is what we do throughout life, is we try to resist without accepting through distraction. We watch too much television. We engage in activities that distract us. Uh, We do alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, overeat. And it's all this distraction. And this is how we live through life, or we do it through force. We try to fight everything. And this also creates a lot of anxiety and hostility and frustration in the mind. But if we learn to just accept, learn to accept and let it go away. Let it be there or not. Don't have any desire or judgment towards it. And this will help you really create the space to heal yourself, to understand. Have you ever wanted to learn how to build your own flute? Or maybe just do a woodworking project? I'm giving a flute-making workshop here in Berlin, Germany, where you can learn how to build your own Native American-style flute. I will take you through all the steps, so at the end of the workshop, you will have a finished flute. And there is something special about the connection you will experience playing an instrument that you made. The workshop is at the Berlin Woodwork Academy. It's a two-day workshop on Sunday 29th of May and also Sunday 12th of June. Register right away because there are a limited number of spots available, as it will be a small group to ensure that students get enough attention. You can go to singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com for a link to register. You can also find that same link in the episode description. So join me and learn how to build your own Native American-style flute. And I can share with you an experience that To this day, I have difficulty talking about it. I haven't shared it with too many people in my life, even now that it's been, uh, how long has it been since it happened? Uh, It's been uh, probably about eight or nine years since it's happened. But it was a very interesting and and one of the most psychologically challenging experiences I've probably had. But it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about acceptance. And this is when I first moved to India. And I first started to do uh, the Vipassana retreats. And I've talked about these, and many of you listeners know about these, these 10-day retreats. And so I did my first retreat in Bodh Gaya in India, which is the place where Buddha became Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree, and there's a retreat center. And I did a 10-day retreat as the first experience I had doing this, and it was a huge experience for me, an incredible experience. I, I was, wow, in a different world from this 10 days of 10 hours a day of meditating without speaking. And so I took a train from Bodh Gaya to Dharamsala in the mountains. And 
then I said, wow, that was such an experience. I want to do it again. And I found a retreat center not so far. Uh, well, there's one in Dharamsala, and there's one a few hours away from Dharamsala. The one in Dharamsala is quite popular. And so I registered there for a retreat, but it wasn't until, I think, uh, was it September or August, uh, the end of the month? And so I registered for a retreat there, but I wanted to do one right away. So I found one at the other center that was happening in a few days. And so in between three 10-day retreats, I took maybe like a week off, which you're not supposed to do when you're just starting out in Vipassana because it's so powerful. You need to really absorb the experience. But if you know me, I like to increase the intensity of things, and I like to uh, try to create uh, intense environments for me to to really experience. And this has really been throughout my whole life. Whenever I want to do something, I find where the vibration for it is the strongest and go there. When I wanted to be a musician, I moved to Hollywood and and back in the 80s and went to music school to be around this because that's where it was happening back then. When I wanted to work uh, in finance, I went to Wall Street in New York and worked on Wall Street. And then also with self-realization and self-awareness and understanding, I said, okay, I need to move to India because each place has its own vibration because of what is happening. If your uh, behavior is happening in a particular area, it creates this group dynamics, this group vibration. And also, we have this collective consciousness. You can think of it as one big cloud that is covering the entire universe. And at different aspects of the cloud, the the clouds are different colors or different shapes or different uh, vibrations, so to speak. And this is the collective consciousness that surrounds us all. And wherever you are, it has a different vibration. And whatever you're able to tune into has a different aspect of this vibration as well. And this is why people discover things in in different parts of the world at the same time, because they're tuned into a particular aspect of this collective consciousness. So anyway, I went to the first 10-day retreat, then I went to the second 10-day retreat, then I went to the third 10-day retreat, all within about uh, a month and a half. And uh, you're not supposed to do this, but I I did it. And then I went, uh, after this, I went to to Rishikesh in India, and I went to one of the, the guest houses I stay at. It was the hot, you know, I think the end of August at this time, the hot summer. And, you know, if you've been to India, you know that in in many of these guest houses or many of these places that they're not the cleanest uh, of places. And there's a lot of bugs and and, uh, dirt and, and bacterias. And I woke up one day from bed and had all these bite marks on me. And so I looked at them and it turned out I had bed bugs. And I don't know if anyone else has experienced this. It was my first time experiencing this. Now the bed bugs begin by being very small where you could barely, if anything, see them with the naked eye. And what they do is they suck out your blood. They feed on your blood. And they're in tune with your heart rate. So when your heart rate goes down is when they attack. So obviously when you're sleeping, your heart rate goes down. And so this is why in the bed you wake up and you have all these bite marks all over you. And the thing is that they are all in your clothes, they're in everywhere, and they're very difficult to get out of. You have to really, I think, they throw the mattress out or at least clean it very good. And you have to clean your clothes in very hot, hot temperatures. Now, the one issue is that in India, you're washing your clothes in a, in a bucket. And you're doing this from many places, especially in August, don't have any hot water. And so it's not, and it, even if they have hot water, it's not hot enough to kill the bed bugs. It needs to be hotter. So 
I would take all my clothes and and if anyone's washed their clothes using a bucket, it's it's hard work just to wash a, a shirt and you know, let along your whole wardrobe. And so what I would do is I had a little hot plate and I would boil water and pour it over the clothes and just kept repeating this over and over. And then uh, also I changed rooms. But every place, every different room, everything, I kept, they kept following you. They, they, I kept waking up with bite marks all over me. And so your sleep starts to get really bad. And even when you meditate is when they would start to bite more because your heart rate is slowing down and they're in tuned with this. And so I couldn't even meditate. Every time I would meditate, I would be being bitten all over. Then you combine this with the whole process of vipassana. What you're doing is you're scanning the body for sensations. You're trying to go in the depth of your being to feel the the vibration of the emotions of the different sensations within the framework of the body, and at the same time, um, being bitten by all these these uh, bed bugs. And and so it was uh, it was terrible, and this went on. And I changed the room again, boiled the water. It would take a complete day to wash all my clothes like this almost. And and uh, I even then, after many weeks of trying to get rid of these and still not going away, I'm not able to sleep, not able to, to you know, I'm spraying different chemicals in my room to kill them all. I'd come back and there'd be a bunch of dead on the ground, but then they would still continue. And then I'm smelling these chemicals in the room. We can't air out all the room. And it's starting to really take hold of my my peace. Or at this point, the lack of peace. Because this is now going on almost a month of this. And it is it is not something that is nice. And the fact that this is combined with the conscious uh, meditation of feeling the sensations on the skin, my mind is so trained after these three 10-day retreats of focusing on the sensations that you feel all the sensations within the framework of the body, even when you're walking throughout the day. And this is what Buddha talked about when he talked about being mindful. It wasn't mindful that you're taking a step. It's mindful about the sensation that's creating in your body when you're eating. It's not mindful that you're eating so much as it's what sensations are happening while you're eating. You know, you start to feel what sensations happen because these are the unconscious reactions that you have about the inner workings of your psychology and the relationship to it in your mind. And when your mind is trained on this after 30 days of 10 hours a day of meditation, and you're starting to experience these bed bugs. It was really intense. It was one of the most intense experiences I had. So finally, I took a, with a friend of mine. We took a about a ten, twelve hour bus ride on an Indian bus around a mountain to a sulfur springs, a natural sulfur springs that came out of this mountain in this temple and spent time trying to burn off all these bugs off me and clean my clothes again. And and again, it continued. And this was going on about almost two months now. This was going on, and I was literally, not figuratively, literally losing my mind. Uh, I, I, my mind was, was, I couldn't get rid of these bugs. It was a constant battle. And it was really... I would have to say it was driving me literally crazy, and I didn't know what else to do. I had done everything. I've changed rooms. I've sprayed. I've I've soaked in sulfur, uh, natural sulfur spring water. I've I've done every. I would take hot hot showers where my skin would be almost burning. I would have just bite marks all over my body. If you can imagine this, and it got to the point where I I just couldn't take it anymore. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I can't, I can't stop them. And so, I just said, that's it. I, I, I give up. 
I, I can't do, I can't fight them anymore. I, I can't do this. I have bite marks all over me. I can't sleep. I'm in bed looking for these with a flashlight and a microscope in, in the bed, a magnifying glass. And so finally I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going, at the end of this week, I'm going to go up to the mountain without any clothes, just the clothes that I'm wearing. And I'm going to go up to this mountain. I'm going to take them off. And I'm just going to meditate until they go away or I I die of hunger. I, I just can't take it anymore. I was literally going crazy, if you can imagine. And so I just surrendered to it. I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I said, okay, on this day, I found out where I'm going to go. And that night I went to bed and I woke up and I never got bit again. I never saw another bug. Think about that. Now, I've seen the bugs. I had the bite marks all over me. So did they really exist or did they not? I saw them. I've experienced them. I cleaned them up from my floor when I sprayed and and killed them. So why did they disappear when I finally just said I accept it? I I can't fight it anymore. And we can say a couple of things. We can say, well, the mind is so strong that maybe the mind created them. They really didn't exist. Maybe it was all that intense meditation. It just was too intense for my mind. It couldn't handle it. But yet, I saw them. I experienced them. I, I felt them. And they were not really there. I, I, I felt them. How, how can this be? And it really it was interesting. In fact, for, I don't know, maybe a year or so after this happened, I didn't even tell anyone this experience because I, would, I was afraid that they would come back. But just overnight, when I finally just accepted, and I just said, I'm not going to fight this anymore. If they want to bite me, let them bite me. I don't care anymore. And I'm not talking just one or two bites. I'd wake up and I'd have hundreds of bites all over me. It was it was incredible, my whole body. And um, yeah, it was a very interesting experience because it really, it really allowed me to feel what it meant to accept something. Because we can say, oh, I accept this. But we say this verbally in a very superficial way. But when you finally after resisting something for almost two months, something that is driving you to the point where, I mean, I was going insane. If I may not be expressing this as intensely as it, I experienced it, but it was, it was something that I, I was losing my mind over. Then finally, when I just finally just accepted, say, I give, I give up. I not just give up, but I accept whatever happens, happens. And I, I, I'm just going to go and sit on this mountain and, and meditate until they, till they either kill me or I die from hunger or, or whatever happens. But I'm not fighting this anymore. And I went to bed that night and woke up and never saw another one of those bugs, never was bitten by one. And, and uh, yeah, and this is the power of acceptance. What really happened, I, I don't know but I can tell you what I experienced and how real this experience was and how this played these games with my mind. And these games, the struggle was the resistance to what was happening. But as soon as I accepted it, not accepted in just a a superficial uh, way, but accepted this in such a deep way that I said, I'm just going to let whatever happens happen. Then it resolved itself. Then I let go. And I experienced true acceptance. Where this is what Buddha did. When Buddha was sitting and meditating for years and years and lifetimes and lifetimes, he finally sat under the Bodhi tree and he said, I am going to sit in this posture and I'm not going to move until I'm self-realized, whether I die or whether I, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to accept whatever happens to me. And this is the night that he became self-realized, sitting under that tree and not moving. So this is the power of acceptance. 
And when I talk about this acceptance, it's not in a superficial way. It's in this deep, I am not going to change my behavior. I'm not going to think in a, in a way that's positive or negative. I'm just going to accept. Many times we try to compensate or overcompensate for things that are negative by being overly positive. This is also judgment. This is more peaceful, but it's still judgment. What you need to do is to accept without conditions. And when you're able to do this, you see the power. And if you talk to anyone who's become self-realized, you see that this was a huge factor in their self-realization, like I talked about in Buddha, how he accepted he's not going to move. Whatever happens, it's going to happen. And this is one of the big experiences uh, I had in India of, of living this lifestyle where you're living in a very hard way. You're living, you know, without a set home, just with the clothes that you carry with you. And I would travel around, what, in India on my motorcycle. And I remember that when I first bought the motorcycle, wow, you know, you say, I'm taking a trip. I'm going from the north of India all the way through Nepal and, and places you've never been in, in countries you've never been in, in cultures you don't truly understand with not a lot of money. If something happens, I don't know if I'll have enough to fix the motorcycle or to get me out of the situation. And I drove through India for eight years like this. And I remember the first trip, you were worried, okay, you're on a motorcycle, which the Royal Enfield, uh, this motorcycle has lots of problems. Every trip you take, it has at least one problem, if not more. And you have to know how to deal with it, how to get it fixed and and then how to, you know, sometimes it happens in places where you're miles and miles away from anything. You know, there's times you go where there's not even a gas station for lots of time and you're thinking, I'm going to run out of gas. And so you have to just learn to accept. And this was a really interesting part of this experience because the more you accepted this way, the more open you became and the more open I would become is the more opportunities, the more experiences that that I would have traveling around India this way. If I wasn't open enough to do this, well, I would have missed out on so many great experiences. If I wasn't open enough to go to India, when I went to India, I had, I think, $100 in my pocket, a one-way ticket the first time I went there. And I just said, I'm going to accept whatever happens. I had no idea how I was going to make money or how you know, what was going to happen. And you need to do this, and not just in these big, fantastic ways, but in the smaller ways, accepting who you are, accepting the things that you don't like about yourself, not just trying to be less negative or trying to be positive, but just to accept. And you can play these games with yourself to force yourself to accept these. If you're a female and you wear makeup, try to accept yourself without it. Try to stop shaving the hair off your arms or off your legs or uh, from your underarms. Accept that this is how your natural disposition is. And uh, it, it will really help you look at things and see yourself in a more authentic way. And it will help you learn how to deal with difficult times in your life. We talk about gratitude. And it's easy to have gratitude when things are going well. But having gratitude when they aren't is challenging. You know, I see people, including myself, you put your hands together before you eat and you give thanks to the universe for providing all this lovely food and you, you say this and you believe it and you mean it. And this is a nice way to create the environment for gratitude. But if you really want to have gratitude, learn to have gratitude for the things that are provided to you that are challenging, that are difficult. When you're experiencing something that is difficult, learn to have gratitude for it because these are the experiences that will provide the opportunity to understand who you are, where you come from, and let go of your karma. 
without these difficult experiences, it's very, it's impossible to let go of this karma. You're going to go through lifetimes of resisting it. And so when you're placed in these situations that are challenging, that are not nice, that are not happy situations, is to give gratitude for them. Put your hands together and bow down to them and say, I have gratitude for this experience because it's going to help me understand who I am. It's going to help me let go of something that I've been carrying for lifetimes. To have this gratitude, to have this acceptance so that you can not just think about who you are, but to express who you are in an authentic way. So I want to give you a meditation. And this meditation is a meditation for this understanding that all that you receive, the challenges of life, the beauty of life, the great things in life are all given to you by the grace of God, the grace of the Guru. And so in the Sikh religion, and this is this idea of God, bringing the the understanding that helps us recognize our true nature and our connection to everything in our life, our connection to the universe, our connection to God, whatever this is for you. And so this mantra that you're going to chant in this meditation is Ekankar Satguru Prasad, Satguru Prasad Ekankar. Now, Ekankar is a powerful mantra. In fact, the scriptures of the Sikhs, the Guru Granth Sahib, is a book of a, about uh, 1,100, 1,200 pages. And it is just an explanation of Ekankar. So it takes these 1,200 pages to describe Ekankar. And what is Ekankar? Ek is one. And so what this is saying is Ek is Wong, Ang is the creative consciousness, and Kar is the creator. So it's saying that the creator and the creation are one. And I've talked about this before, and it's like this idea of having a piece of clay. And you take a piece of the clay and you shape it into a cup, and then you say it's a cup. But really, it's just a piece of clay, and this is how the creator and the creation are one. And then Sat Guru Prasad. Sat is truth, and so Ekankar is the creator and creation are one, and this truth will be given to you by the grace of the Guru. Prasad is a gift, it is a spiritual gift you give to to the God, to yourself. And so Ekankar Sat Guru Prasad is that the creator and creation are one, and you will know this truth by the grace of God. And it's only by his grace that you will understand this. And so when we chant this mantra, we're chanting this. It's this kind of gratitude for whatever happens, happens by the grace of God. And as long as we accept it, we're present for it. Because when we don't accept, we are judging. We are in the past. We're in the future. We're not present. And so this meditation is about acceptance. It's about gratitude. It's about this connection to the universal gift of life and connecting to this. And so we're going to chant this mantra for 11 minutes and then to sit in silence for another five minutes afterwards. I will put a link in the episode description for a YouTube video with the music to chant along with. So what you want to do now is sit in a meditative posture, the easy pose, putting the hands at the heart level with the palms facing up and the elbows relaxed at the sides, and form a shallow cup of the hands with the sides of the palms and the mercury finger, the pinkies together. And the thumbs are out and away from the hands, about the level of the heart center. 
And the important thing is to try to keep the sides of the, the two hands touching together, the pinkies and the sides of the palm, the moon centers. And if you keep these together, you should feel it after a while because it's not common to keep them together. The thumbs are out and there's just kind of a shallow uh, bowl like you're receiving something, like someone is going to put something in your hands. You keep a nice straight spine with the chin in just a little bit to keep the, the neck straight. And the eyes are going to be closed, but they're going to be looking down through the closed lids into the palm. Like I said, you go to the video and YouTube, I will put the link in the episode description and chant the mantra. Chant it for the 11 minutes, then relax the hands down in the lap and just sit for another five minutes in peace, just being present with the vibration that you just created. And it's a very magic mantra. And I'll, like I said, I'll put a, a link to this in the the show notes. If you go to the website, you can download the PDF file of this so you can have it with you. And it's really just this powerful mantra where that you are accepting from the grace of the guru all that is given to you, all that is provided to you, because everything is complete. You are complete. There is nothing that you are lacking. Just accept this. Accept You are enough. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself... Listening to 432 Hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the program today. I hope you enjoyed that meditation. I'd love to hear from you. Send me some feedback, what you, how you enjoyed it, what it did for you. And again, any listeners who would like a kind of a, a therapy session on one of the episodes, we can do this. Something that's going on within your life, some experience you're having, some difficulty, whether it's uh, related to your relationships or business or life changes or any, anything, uh, send me a, a line and then I can contact you and we can try to arrange something. And again, please support the podcast with a donation. Go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can donate in any currency, even Bitcoin, to keep me out of the system and help support the program. From the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Why, Guru, why, Guru, why?